John 17. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I'll pray for us before we see. Father, I pray that that this time will be your time to speak to us. God, that we'll see that, that above all, glorifying you is is the most important thing that we can do. And just to set ourselves to see how worthy of a thing it is, how valuable of a thing it is, and to, to really set ourselves to do that. Take away any hindrances, we pray, and be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. If, uh, if you go to my home and look on the fridge... There are a lot of Christmas cards, but among those Christmas cards, there's a, a letter to the editor that we clipped out of a magazine two years ago, and it's, it's remained there, <laughs> and it's somebody writing about a certain author, and I won't say the name, because it's never good to start a sermon by insulting anyone, and, and it says this, I would really love to sit down with this author because... They seem like they're just such an interesting person. They have something, something just creative and unique to offer to any conversation. I think uh, just to sit down with them would just be the most enlightening time. So do you know how I could sit down and have coffee with this person? And the editor wrote back and he simply said this. We had coffee with him and none of this is true. <laughs> true story. And so in John 17, we get a look into Jesus praying, which is helpful because I think sometimes we can, we can ask, what, well, Jesus was sneaking away and praying all the time. He seemed to be really revived by prayer. He seemed to rely upon prayer. So what was that like for him? What did he say? And I think we really see the heart of Jesus while he prays. The prayer in John 17 is following a a huge sermon, like a three-chapter sermon about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus saying, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. You can't do anything apart from me. Soon I'm going to be leaving, and once I leave, I'm I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit so it's okay. You're going to be comforted during that time. And so then he prays. He prays this, this very lengthy prayer, the longest prayer in the Bible. And I think it's helpful to us for a number of reasons. That's what we're really going to get into this week. Um, The first, he starts out um, by by talking about himself. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus' prayer that he would be glorified. And so taking in stride, we're going to look at the first thing. Jesus lifting his eyes towards heaven. And I want to point this out simply because I think it, it helps us gain an understanding of of where Jesus is um, and the position we share with him. The reason Jesus lifted his eyes towards heaven was because he stood on earth. 
And so his communication with the Father at this point was one of, was of separation in some way. That, that while he walked on the earth in the flesh, he communicated with God in the same way that we communicate with God the Father. Right? So he, had to, he lifted his eyes towards heaven. And, and just as in the psalm we read earlier, I, I look to the hills. Is that where my help comes from? No. My help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my help comes from. So Jesus is literally looking his eyes up. And I think it helps us because it shows the direction of his life. Right? There's a point in John where it says, he didn't entrust himself to any man because he knew it was in their hearts. And so he wasn't looking around, praying, looking at people. <laughs> Right? Which we can oftentimes do if we're in a prayer circle, right? Like, I hope I'm praying with the right words so I sound spiritual. He wasn't doing that. He, was, he lifted his eyes towards heaven. He was praying in a way that he had communicated often with the Father who he knew was listening to him. And Jesus was looking forward to going home so he could actually, again, be there with the Father. Um, and that's where we move into our second point, time. This interesting look at time where, where he says, Father, the time has now come. And that also helps us give us location, not only is Jesus standing in the earth, but he's standing in time. And, and we'll, we'll hear a little bit later in some verses from Peter and from Revelation that... From before the foundation of the world, this time had been coming. The time that Jesus was talking about right now. A time where Jesus would approach the cross. And on that cross, he would make a way so that men and women could join him and the Father for eternity in relationship. And this is what he, he was looking for. So, Father, the time has now come. What time had now come? It was time where we would see the climax in, in, our, in our visual scope of God's glory. God being glorified in a way that people had only been humiliated before. And we wouldn't even see it. And that's what's amazing. And what I think is the value about knowing that, that this certain time in history is coming is because I think that helps us in two ways. Seeing how history itself divides upon this man dying on the cross. But also, I think it's helpful because oftentimes we don't understand our time. We talked in our community group this week about the preciousness of time. That we live on the threshold of eternity. And we could preach sermons, weeks about this. That the life we live right now is of great importance. And has eternal significance. And so it meant a lot when Jesus says, now, now is the time. This is the time. He knew his place not only in eternity, but this moment, something big was going down. Right? That not only had his short 33 years led to this moment, but all of eternity since creation had led to this moment also. And I think, I think this should help us because we should see our lives also in the continuum. We get lost sometimes because we don't understand time. We treat very, very petty things as being very important because we don't understand that now we are on the threshold of eternity. 
right? And right now has great significance for eternity. And this moment that Jesus talked about had great significance. And if you would take the time to consider what the cross meant as he prayed and as he looked forward to it, that would be the best time spent in your whole life. Oftentimes, this is interesting as we, as we approach Jesus praying, we, we don't pray because, why? Because we don't have the time, <laughs> right? But Jesus says, now that the time's approached, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray. It's not, now that the time's come, I've really got to get things in order, right? I haven't packed, I haven't... No, Jesus is saying, things are coming to a close in my time here, so what? So, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to communicate with the Father. I think we pr- don't pray for... for th- I'll give you three reasons why, and you could probably add up more in your own head. But one of those things is that we don't see the value of prayer. What did Jesus see in prayer that made him spend his last hours, not only here, but also in the Garden of Gethsemane, pouring out his heart to the Father? What would make you see prayer so valuable that you would spend your last moments, maybe the only moments you had to yourself before the great event, to pray? Do you see it as that valuable? I think another reason is that we don't necessarily know how, right? Or we feel like we don't know how. We feel like when we, when we go and we, we pray with Christians, we have to make everything in meter and in Shakespearean language and, you know, very elevated, right? Because we don't know how to pray. How, how, do, I, how do I communicate with God? I, and you might, you might feel trapped. You, you go, okay, I... And, I really enjoyed what Daniel was saying about prayer, and I see the value of it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my knees when I go home today, and I'm going right? to... Oh, and then there's that, there's that dread. There's, there can be this, I'm scared to death, because then, then what happens? Right? Then what happens? And I, and I think the reason why that happens is because we don't, we don't come seeing the urgent things. We don't live on the threshold of eternity, right? Why did Marshall pray for his mom? Because he was scared to death. He wasn't scared to death be- to pray, but he was scared to death, so he prayed, right? He saw that it was something that was so vital that I have to pray, right? And that's what prayer is in our life. Prayer so often becomes a recital for us or a mantra, right? Something that we go and we say things, I think, you know, people, we pray before meals, and that, that can be good, but so often we don't give thought to what that means. Why do we pray before meals? Right? God, God wants you, when you pray, to honor Him, right? Why? Because we are on the threshold of eternity, right? And this time, this, these moments that we have are valuable, and there are things that are valuable to be prayed for. And if you can't think of things that are valuable to be prayed for, think some more. Right? Take time. Wait in prayer. Right? You can sit there and pray, Lord, right now, I just, I don't value anything enough to pray right now. What should I value? 
I bought a book yesterday, Goodwill. Goodwill, I shouldn't let you know the spots where I buy books because I hate shopping with people when I'm buying books because I'm afraid that they'll find the book that I'm looking for. <laughs> and one of the books that I found was on, um, was on e emo culture, right? Emotional rock. And I didn't mean to look at you, Sarah, when I said that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you're the most rocker with Saul. It's great. Um, and so this book was on, was on feeling. And it was on choosing not to feel. That's how we... That's how we, and because emotional rock, really, he, he was saying is amazing. He said, and it's amazing why, because it's, he said it's confessional, really, and we haven't learned to value it. But the title was something like, Choosing Not to Feel. And, and I really, I think that's what we do in our, in our culture, is, is a lot of times, we don't really know what to feel, and we don't know how to feel, and so sometimes we just don't feel. Or if we feel, we don't feel correctly, we don't value correctly. And I think that really damages our prayer a lot. When we begin to value what is most valuable, I think we will pray a whole lot more. But that takes real investment. Scary investment. Because to value something is a scary thing. So what did Jesus value? And I think what he valued most is what he prays about first. And what he prays about first is this. Father, glorify me so that I might glorify you. Which might seem strange and out of place because, I, honestly, I came into John 17 thinking that every sermon was going to be about Jesus praying for you. But that's not how Jesus starts. Jesus starts praying about himself. Right? So that's helpful for us because oftentimes this, this is what we let or we, what we want scripture all to revolve around, right, is, is me. And so, well, well I'm going to listen to on what Jesus is praying for me so I can claim that. I can claim those promises for myself. What Jesus is praying first is... Father, glorify me. And this is very different than the prayer he teaches people to pray, the, the, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, which is a prayer that's very confessional. And the reason why they're very different is, different is why. Well, Jesus didn't have anything to confess. Right? And so if we enter our prayer just saying, Father, glorify me, we could be asking a very scary thing. Well, Father, honor me. Well, have we, have we lived really honorably? Is everything that we're doing worth honoring? And so Jesus' prayer is very different. It's, it's, uh, it's centered in the way that, that we see Christ as the center. And in Hebrews 1.3, we get a glimpse of this and why, why this happens. In Hebrews 1.3, Following from the first verse, it says, Long ago God spoke in many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Get this, and it says, And now in final, these final days he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son created the universe. 
The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Right, so this is Jesus radiating the Father's glory. And I thought about it in this way. That if you, when springtime comes around, I always, I always get the urge to go play baseball. And baseball is only good, really, if you have another person to, to play with. There's not a lot of fun throwing the ball up and catching it over and over again. And so if you throw it, right, person catches it, throw it back. It's this beautiful father-son activity. And it, it's this interaction you see here that, that God throws Jesus, right? There's inheritance. Jesus is like, I'm giving it back. Glory, boom, back. Reflection. Everything that the father and son share is a reflection, right? He's the very image of God. And so this helps us understand what it means when Jesus says, may you glorify me that I might glorify you. Is that this is Jesus' prayer not only now, but we're getting a glimpse into what Jesus prays through all eternity, right? Even when he was with the Father, this is the relationship that they shared together glorifying each other. And to get a glimpse of this, I think think it's helpful. In John 12, Jesus is praying, and he says, "Um, Father, I'll read it for you guys. Starting in verse 27, he says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. And then a voice broke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. Right, so, so we have to ask, is, so is, this, like a, is this a chink in Jesus' armor that we see because he has to pray it again? Right, is it showing weakness or doubt in him that he would have to pray again? God, be, give me glory so I can glorify you. And the answer is No. No, as we, as we found in Hebrews, Jesus is the constant reflection of the glory of God. But this is his delight. So when we see God, what we have to see is relationship. This delightful relationship of father and son, they're just stoked to share for all eternity. Right? God, glorify me, I'm going to glorify you. How? Boom. Creative overflow, universes exist. That's what it looks like, right? As they, as they share in each other's glory constantly together. And so God is just heaping glory on the sun. I've glorified you and I will do it again. And Jesus is saying, and I will glorify you in return. And so that's why we are so Christ-centered, right? Because what Jesus is doing... And, is making it so we can share that glory with them. So it's all about Jesus, and I want to I show this in a few ways. In Colossians, it shows it's all about Jesus. Why? Because everything was created through him. Everything was created through him. It says in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the invisible image of... Sorry, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created, is supreme over all creation, for through him 
God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he, he holds all of creation together. Right? So why is Christ at the center? Because you're held together by him. Right? And that's his glory. That's his value. When we use the word glory, that's really what we're talking about. It's, it's the value of... Why is Jesus valuable? Because he holds things together. Universes. Together. And it's this glory that the Father and Son are sharing together. Second reason why Jesus is the center is because he has authority over everything. And this is what it shares in, in John 17. Authority to determine the destiny of man. Right? And, and that is why this certain time has come in history. Because his authority, he is using to purchase children. Right? who have been sold in slavery, right? And he's using his authority to pour out grace upon grace on you. John 3, 3 says, The Father loves the Son and gives all things into his hands. And, and Psalm 2, 8 is, is beautiful, and this is what it says. Only ask, this is, this is the Father saying, Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth is your possession. Only ask. Just ask. And we can say, well, why, why ask? I mean, if Jesus is God, couldn't he just take? Why, why, would, he, why would the Father say ask? Well, because it's a relationship. It would look kind of weird if, I mean, my father and I have a great relationship, but if I just, you know, went in the middle of the night and stole his motorcycle, <laughs> right? Things are going downhill quick. <laughs> Right? And so, and so in, in all of creation, creation bearing the fingerprints of God, that, that, that why do we have families? Right? Why? Well, because God is trying to express something about himself. Really. So when we see relationships, and what causes relationships to be healthy, like me going and Asking my dad, can I borrow his motorcycle, which I've never done, but I've thought about. See, that, that's how relationships work. You ask, and it's the glory of the person to be generous, and it's the glory of the person to receive. And then say, thank you. And they're like, oh, such a good son, he said thank you. Right? That's a relationship, and it's beautiful. And that's modeled after God the Father and God the Son. So often we forget that when we are, are looking at the world and how it should work, what we're looking at is God saying, yes, that's good because it looks like me. It has my image on it. Right? So God didn't just create willy-nilly, especially with human beings who created in his image, right? He really created them. What? So then we can be transformed in his image so we can be reflectors of his glory back to him. Like we talked about in love the other week, the best I love is when I'm reflecting the Father. That's the best I love. And that's what we're meant to do. And so we're getting a picture of this. What does Jesus pray for first? He prays that God would glorify him so he could glorify God back because that is the best thing in all creation. All of it. And that's the best thing you can do. 
The third point is God is worthy, Jesus is worthy of honor, and that's why Jesus is at the center. In Revelation 5, 12 through 13, it says this, and this is our eternal song. It says, and they sang a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth under, and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And that's just, that's amazing. So unless you get a glimpse of this, and that, that really becomes what you live for, you won't be expecting the eternal song, right? Of what, is, what is the eternal song? This, this is eternal appreciation of Jesus. Because that, that's what was happening before time began. In the, in the end when Jesus says, God, I'm just looking forward to be restored to the glory that we shared before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, this was going on. Glory was being beautifully shared together between the Godhead. Right? In a satisfying, eternally glorious way. And so what will be carried on throughout eternity is that, right? This appreciation. God, you are worthy as the lamb who is slain to be worshipped forever. And unless you get a glimpse of that now, heaven will be really awkward. It would be. Right? Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb should be what we cry now. Really, if that doesn't make sense, you should be praying, God, I don't see value in this. Help me see value in this. What am I, what am I missing out on? Um, I, th- I thought about this in relation, you know, trying to, trying to really make this practical. Um, things we honor, um, Jesus being worthy of honor um, forever and ever. We honor things very, very shortly, I think, and, and I think <laughs> the Academy Awards are tonight. I don't know if you care about that. Um, but we do, we honor things very shortly, right? We get all excited. We're like, Oh, what is she going to wear this year? You know, and then, and then the time passes, and and then next year we're all excited again. You know, who's going to host it? You know, maybe I don't. You, you guys, I really don't. I just, I thought I might, you know, get some of you guys going with it. I, but we do, and it might be that, or it might be the next album that comes out by your favorite artist or book comes out by your favorite author, and but but things that we we honor. Right, what, what is worthy of being honored forever? The question is, we stand. The time has now come, this time, bearing weight on all other times for all eternity. This is the most glorious moment that Jesus is praying for right now. The final thing that, why we, why we see Jesus as the center, and I really want, I really want to draw this home, because this is so important you guys get this, that I get this, is because only Jesus can offer himself. It really isn't something that we could ask for. And more than that, it, it really isn't something that we, we do ask for. And, and think about this in this way. What is a king's glory? Right? A, a, really, a king's glory is his people. 
right? that his people, people honor him, that they respect him. But in Malachi, Jesus, God says, so where's my glory? You know, where is my honor? You haven't honored me. And we haven't, we haven't really asked for that. What we've desired is that we would be honored. And we seek so hard for that. We seek so hard to... to I want to be the bigger man. I want to be... I want to be honored. I want people to see that I'm, I'm worth honoring. And so Jesus offers himself to show what is truly honorable. Philippians 2, right? Though he in being very nature, God didn't consider some equality with God something that he had to hold on to, but he became nothing. Right? So what, the, the end of that passage is beautiful. And then what happens? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? And that, that's phenomenal. So Jesus offering himself in the most humiliating way so that we can then grasp what is truly honorable. And this will happen now and forevermore. And that's, this will be the last thing we talk about here. And, and, and this is something that has been planned far in advance. Uh, Jesus tells these beautiful parables about a king who prepared a banquet. And what did, what did he do? He, he sent out people and he said, go, go invite people to this banquet I have prepared. Before the creation of the world, it wasn't that God just threw the earth into its spin and then said, well, we'll see how that one turns out. No. He sent it a spinning and he goes, just wait for the finale. This is going to be good. Right? It wasn't he was like just curious, like I just, you know, this is an experiment and we'll wait for the next one. You know, if, if this doesn't work out, there's other creations we can do. It's okay. No, he's making this incredible investment. And, and I don't grasp the scope of this. As Jesus and the Father and the Spirit create, and, and as they're creating, they're preparing this banquet, right? And how they're going to invite people. And this is what it says in Peter. It says, God chose you. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has revealed him to you in these last days. That's amazing. Right? We're just beginners to this amazing knowledge of what God is doing since the creation of the world. Right? And we, and it's all over the place. Romans 8 says creation groans inwardly. It's like, it's waiting. Right? It's waiting. What? Till the Son of God is revealed. It says, the rocks would cry out if they could. And so this is in the fiber of the earth. This is in the, the fiber of human beings. To say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and power and praise forever. And until, until that's realized and released from the human beings, they have yet to live. <coughs> That's amazing. Why? Because that, that was the master plan before the creation of the world. God isn't making up things on the fly. Worthy is the Lamb from all eternity to be praised. And I am convinced this is the glory of 
heaven for us as we for eternity discover more and more how cool it was for God to do this. And you, you can begin now by really investing time into studying this. So the beauty of creation reveals, get this, the beauty of creation reveals the creative overflow of the relationship within the Godhead. I'll repeat that again because this is great. The beauty of creation reveals the creative overflow of the relationship within the Godhead. And so, if someone asked me what is the most taught thing in all of Scripture, I would say God. That would be a good answer. If someone said, well, well, what do you see second? What, what maybe is the second theme that you see most? I would say relationship, easily. Relationship is the theme of Scripture. God having a relationship in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely satisfying, eternally glorious, always joyful. And then God creating us for relationship. And at the fall, what we see is breaking of relationships. And we live with that. right? That's, that's what we live with now. Whether it's relationship with people, right? our relationship with each other, that's why the, the, the church should be a real healing community for people. It should be a place people can come into and feel safe. Why? Because we've met the maker and creator of the one who says, relationships are beautiful, I want those to be healthy. Um, the, the relationship's been broken between us and creation, right? We, we waste our resources, we do. The relationship between us and ourselves... We talk about this. As, so oftentimes we, we're, we feel trapped. Right? I don't even understand what's going on in here. How am I going to understand what's going on out there? Right? This, these broken relationships. What, what God intended was our relationships. As he says, I'm creating man in my image. The relationships that we see to be reflections of his glory. And that is what is being redeemed in Jesus Christ. Our relationships. And that's what Jesus looks forward to as he prays there in the end. Restore me to glory, Father. I just want to share. I just want to share the glory that we had before the creation of the world. Before time began. I'm just looking forward to it. Like, like it's a, I'm just looking forward to the, the party, right? And that's, that's the story of the prodigal son, right? Prodigal son comes home, and it's not like, okay, well, you know the rules that you broke. And you, no. The father goes, kill the cow. We're having a party. And that's, that is what Jesus is praying for first and foremost. I'm looking forward to when relationships will be made whole again. I want that. Because the brokenness of relationships breaks the heart of God. And that was the broken heart of God when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Right? And, and Jesus felt the ultimate brokenness of relationships in order to make your relationship with God whole again. And so that, that is what is encompassed in Jesus praying, O oh, Father, 
Give me your glory so I can glorify you. This is what he's talking about. And so what this means for us is that we can participate creating community where God gets the glory. So, understanding the work of Jesus and saying, God, I'm, I just, I, I'm, learning, I'm learning to value the beauty of, of the cross and what that meant. And I want to be a part of community that shares in the relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And when we do that, creativity comes. Right? Just as within the Godhead, when they were just jiving together and, and boom, universes. Right? That's what it's meant to be in the church. So people are, are coming together, loving each other, really loving each other. Paul says in Romans, let your love be without hypocrisy. Right? So it's not coming together and, and being like, I really love you. But, it's, it's really working at it, right? Understanding the great. You've been given mercy, so extend mercy. And that community being created, where creativity overflows from that and it blesses, blesses those people that are yearning for relationships to be made whole again and don't know that Jesus is the one that can do that. Right? And so the church which in Ephesians says is the fullness of him who fills all things can say together, God, glorify us, your people, so that we can glorify you. Because we are the body of Christ. So I, I just, I, I'm thankful for all you guys here, and, and I just pray that we become that together, a community that shows the healing of relationships, um, and a community that really calls glory back to God. If you guys come here and you're like, well, you know, the preaching was okay, and, but the coffee was really good. And, you, you know, if, if we do that, like, little assessment, we're missing the point, right? I, I want it. And if you, guys, if you guys pray with us, pray with us weekly, God, how can we as a community really reflect you? Does that mean doing something different? Does that mean doing something new? Just in a way that, that God, we, we want we want you to be glorified. We want to value that with our time as we stand on the threshold of eternity, waiting for the time when the party begins and we sing together, worthy is the Lamb who is slain. So with that, I'll pray for us and then we'll, we'll sing together. Father, please awaken us to the realization of of who we can be in Christ together. Awaken us to the realization of, of all that you created and created for your glory and that maybe we've dealt with cheaply. I mean, I even think of Proverbs where it says, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And maybe the way we haven't guarded our hearts from worshiping other things and and how worshiping you just makes everything clear and grander and um, not always easier, but as we walk from now into eternity um, with our eyes on you. God, we want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, uh, and I pray that you will just make that alive in the church. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.